Hello, and my name is Peter Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners and professionals just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we're here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, frank and raw conversations. Hi, I'm joined today by Ben Aveling. He's joining me for a second time on the podcast because do you know what? We had a right laugh first time round and we've both known each other since we were still in short trousers at primary school. So yeah, he's a top geezer. I hope you enjoy today's session. We talk particularly around sustainability and sustainability in business too. Absolutely fantastic episode and really hope you enjoy it. So the red light is rolling and I'm joined today by Ben Avelyn from Radmore Farm. Uh, ben, how are we doing, man? Hello. Very nice to be, we don't do this enough, it's very nice to be back. Yeah, all awesome, mate. saw me last time, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good, so good I invited him a second time. So uh, Ben is back, Ben is back on the show, I really appreciate him joining me tonight. We're recording on Easter Monday and uh, yeah, Ben and I haven't had a catch up for a while. So we're like, you know what, let's make it into a podcast. Let's have a bit of a laugh and leave it largely unscripted because to be honest, that's probably the best way to get Ben, isn't it? Is largely unscripted and unpolitically correct as possible, basically. So yeah. obviously, obviously, we may have to go uh, get get some stuff edited out. I don't know if you can hear that in the background, but I've got a twat outside with their fridge fan literally going off i don't know if you can hear it why fridge in a way well it's why? fridge trailer even their fridge trailers just going well, they're like an undertakers or something <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know the, Chill to, out, be fair, <laughs> to be fair these days they could have they could have all sorts in the back of that truck mate there could be all sorts in there licorice ones <laughs> yeah literally Sorry. literally yeah. licorice all sorts <laughs> Uh, mate right okay cool so uh yeah ben and i totally unscripted where's this gonna go um so those that heard the first episode where ben and i chatted you will realize that ben and i have known each other for well how long mate what's your first memory that's a good question actually what's your first memory of me you don't want to know really um i don't know i'll tell you what i reckon it was I'm trying to think. I reckon there's we we played. I think playing football in the park, probably. Okay. Possibly, I think we had a Manchester United football. Quite, yeah, very, very likely, very likely. If it was me, mate. I, I remember, I remember being in a queue with you and Richard Ward in reception. That's how far oh, back. Right. And I can remember you two arguing and me trying to bang your heads together because that's what my mum said when we argued. <laughs> so, so doing and that, you I'll turned out fine, together. you know. Yeah. Like, good advice. <laughs> I know, right? I remember thinking you were quite naughty. I remember thinking that Ben's quite naughty. You I didn't put naughty, up with any you? shit. I mean, I've, I've never put up with stuff. Like, I was I, when I was wrong, I was happy to be wrong. But I was, I, I hate an injustice. 
and like I don't know I don't I like to do whatever I want that's why you're in business isn't it mm. like I I naturally gear toward doing whatever I want and that sounds a bit stupid that's not really what I mean by that but I, I'd rather work 10 times as hard for myself than work half as hard for someone else. I, you know, it's sort of always been the same, even through school. I thought, well, if I can mess around and still get the same grades, then why the hell work the same? It's, to me, it's a no-brainer because I've always just been about messing around and having fun, really. Yeah, mate. No, <laughs> Simple as that. I, well, we know we know this, right? But yeah, so <laughs> it gives, gives people an idea of how far we go back. And then we we worked together for a long time, didn't we, when we were in the pub trade working for Green King. Uh, we were both running um, the Green King, uh, the Green King, the Green Dragon, get my words out. The green he was dragon a bastard, in... weren't he, that green? <laughs> what a green sod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Green Dragon in Chesterton, which at the time was... Probably the best, well, probably the best. It was the best real ale pub in, in Cambridge. It was uh, good, wasn't, time, it? wasn't it? Mate? Yeah, what, underrated, what actually. Was. I think they, anyone who <clears throat> didn't know the place didn't know actually quite how much effort was put into that. I don't yeah, think yeah. it was a very decent place to work. I learned a lot there. Hell of a lot. Yeah. I still think about it now. Pre-brew pre, pre dog. Literally had your choice. IPA, Abbott Ale, or whatever the guest beer was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually Green King or, yeah. or hidden as a Ruddles, which was still Green King. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'd, we'd occasionally get a bit of London pride or something like that, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, we would. But, but yeah. And then um, and then obviously we went and did our did our own thing sort of uh, in our mid-20s, didn't we? So And, and since then you've been uh, married to Vicky and you've been doing the farm shop and various other business interests as well, right? Yeah. Well, I started when I was 21. That's the first time we, I'd been, I was, I was 21 and two days when we opened the shop. So that, that's, that's how long ago it was. Literally like 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. At least I laugh at my jokes. It, it's all right, mate. I, I, I feel like I don't, I don't, I don't want to give you too much credit. That's what I'm here for, isn't it? You know, but I mean, I can't really believe. Yeah, so two thousand. What's that? Fifth? Yeah, it'd be fifteen years this year. That's nuts, isn't it, mate? Yeah, and it's been the it's been the constant. I've done a lot around it. Yeah. So the pub we had the pub, which we still do, but I don't run it, and um, as well as we've moved shop locations a few times, haven't we? And we've had numerous other things. It's always mm. been the constant, the thing that I've done and stuck to. And like, I've always naturally veered away from uh, doing the same thing every day, which I despise. I don't, I don't like doing the same things every day. So mm. the, the shop business was my way of trying to be sensible and grown up. And on the side of it, once I managed to establish it, I can play with my other ideas of, do something different every day in the shops that is the same and constant, you know, because you can't have everything. You can't be a kid forever. <laughs> I, I, I must say, I always look forward to our chats because you are quite entrepreneurial, aren't you? So you will often have ideas and then sort of have, have a bit of a, the, the shop will still be going, but you'll be trying different stuff. And one of the things specifically that I wanted to explore a bit more with you on this session, which we didn't really in our, in our first episode was around the like environmental impact that you started to look at or the, the ecological impact of the shop 
and then starting to really sort of focus your business on that is something that I'm looking to explore with flagship. And uh, I thought, why not learn live, so to speak, on the podcast about about what you did, how you did it and why you did it and what the outcomes have been. All right. Well, it's largely driven by <clears throat> customers. I mean, a lot of what we would get asked for would be in the vein of sustainability and we, we also won uh, actually i sort of backtrack slightly we won an award the cambridge sustainable food award by abs just not necessarily by attempting to we, ne we never really even entered it it was like they came round to our shop and said you do realize what you sell may means you're eligible for this award because of the, the quality and the you know the locality and the sustainability and the ethics and everything we proved and I was like, oh, right, okay, great. And I got, I got on board quite a lot with them. I, mean, I, I still keep my hand in with them, but I always um, say I'm too busy doing it to be, you know, to turn up to the meetings and stuff. And it's, it's, that's not a lie, it's true. And I mean, we, we wanted to do different things, but I, I always like to do it in a different way because I think some people um, have a bad idea of, like how do i put it if i said oh i'm gonna go sustainable as a business people are straight away gonna think oh, i was ben gonna turn into an even bigger dick okay because, <laughs> and this because, this is this right there is one of my challenges right we work in the transport no one sector. likes an activist no one right. likes an activist and that's what i had to not be i had to be someone that wasn't trying to throw it in people's faces because that's not what i wanted I'm not saying that a lot of people do that but some people do that, meaning that everybody thinks the whole, whereas when you work with people like Came Sustainable Food, they're really quite a quiet group. They're not like out there really making a massive noise and making people feel bad. And I saw how they were doing it. And I thought, well, this is much more like me. Like, you know, do the right thing. Don't just shout about the right thing. And yeah. yeah, it's like, so th there's a couple of things there. One is like, I really, I really despise that whole here I am doing something good and I'm only doing it for the marketing attention or for the marketing vibe, right? And um, a good ex a good example recently, we got we got we got approached for for Easter eggs for some vulnerable kids in Cambridge here, hundred of them for hampers. Was it we the just did it. Red Hen project? Or was it Red oh, Hen? I can't remember that. It was actually a nurse from one of the <laughs> hospitals, I think, got in touch. Um, oh, okay. we just did it we just did it it hasn't gone on social media oh, okay it's now on the podcast but we it was just out there because it just didn't well, feel got it right here. Um, <laughs> it, didn't feel... <laughs> it just didn't feel right and it was a nice thing to do do you know what i mean and mags and i woke up on sunday morning like yeah happy days you know there's like 100 kids with a smile on their face that might not have been there previously so that's all good right but so you've got this issue around like doing something and appearing to be a bit of a dick because of it but what my big issue is that I really want to start to explore sustainability. One, because it's the right thing to do, which we know is the right thing to do. Mm. The, the, other, the other thing is that there's no one else really starting to explore it. But the, the, the big challenge for me is particularly, you know, a lot, of my, a lot of my clients and stuff are transport operators. They might be farming background and that sort of thing. And as soon as you start to talk about sort of sustainability, they do this to you. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like I've put like a, you know, I don't know, like kick my ass sticker on my back or something. I don't know. It's it's a nightmare because no one wants to think that they're contributing to a problem. 
And like, I might have said this to you before, I can't remember, but I think that it's really important to remember that none of us are sustainable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So make a change that you're happy with and go with it. Like, mm. I think people think you can be, you have to be either sustainable or not. And I don't think that, I think that put in, in the perspective of like my customers, I will make changes in the shop that will welcome the person who has never tried to buy good quality or lo local food or zero waste packaging food because they might be going, this is new for me. I don't want to dip, my, I'm, I want to dip my toe in, but they don't want to be approached. They don't want to come in the shop and be bombarded with it because yeah, that's yeah. not fair. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, if everyone went out tomorrow and bought all their pasta using a paper bag instead of a plastic bag, how much impact does that have alone? One single thing. So the key is, is being welcoming and not going, oh, you know, if you've got plastic on your bag, oh, get out. You know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's, I think you've got to be open to ideas. You've got to be, you've got to know that none of us are sustainable. And so if you come out preaching to people, you'll have people picking fault with you. God's honest truth. Everyone will go, oh, but then they'll be looking through their Facebook profile to watch them with a bloody diesel engine one day or so. I don't know, whatever. People are like that. So if you just come out and go, look, we're doing the best we can, making sustainable choices for our business, for our customers or whatever, we're not going to shout about it. We're just going to get on and do it. Like I've always said, I'm less busy shouting, I'm more busy doing. And really, at the end of the day, if you've got that as a credential, you're not shouting about it, then you're really doing the right thing because you're not using it as a marketing ploy. And there's a guy I read about once who, um, it might have been Puma, the, the company Puma, who was one of the first people to put a financial amount on carbon emissions or something like that. And he put it down as a financial amount in his books, like his balance sheet. So every gram of CO2 or every, I can't remember the full details. It's not that helpful for your, <laughs> your listeners, but it's some, but let's say, I think it was Puma and let's say everything unsustainable um, to regards to emissions and things like that was put into the bottom line. And so then on, on in the accounts and in the, when they're looking through all their data, they're like, we've got to get rid of this because this is inefficient, you know? And it was seen as a, a way of getting rid of these unsustainable, less ethical choices that the companies were making because sometimes big companies, particularly who really are the only ones who can make a massive difference. Let's, let's, let's get that straight. People like us, we won't scratch the surface if Amazon don't pick up and, and start doing the things not naming Amazon because in some senses they obviously do do a lot of things and companies like McDonald's, you can't fault their recycling and their bins. And, but you need to, the only way it will get noticed in a boardroom is if it's a number, yeah. not, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no, I've got this I'm lovely sure. idea. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, it needs to be it, something that's measured and the performance and the performance needs to be tracked and measured like any other case. The, but the problem is, I mean, there's, there's big marketing things in the minute with electric vehicles and I've got electric vehicles and they're great. And, but I also know why people would want them, you know, and um, someone will talk to me who has a normal job 
and or that they'll say about the electric car and it's easy for me because i work for myself i can plan my routes i can say oh, i've got to stop here for an hour i've got to do this and do that if you've got a job you've got to be there for nine o'clock and you've got to leave at five o'clock to get home the last thing you'll do is be charging because you can't get anywhere and you understand why people don't do it yeah. and but electric cars aren't necessarily the the solution for anything everything either i mean they're they're one of many but I don't know, it's, it's a tough one. And for us at the shop, it was a no-brainer because we're lucky enough to have the clientele to do it. Would I set, would I set up in the middle of Northampton doing it? No, definitely not. Because they would not be interested. And that's not me being horrible about people from Northampton. They just don't, the, the, the way we are in Cambridge is particularly suited to it because it's something a lot of people in our area are really, really interested in. There's quite a movement in Cambridge and things on sustainability, especially, like I said, there's a local group called Cambridge Sustainable Food, you know. And I think that places will follow, but, you know, you've got to realise that we're in a very lucky area and privileged to be able to go, let's do a zero waste section. And it works. No problems. Did it one day. Next day we opened, we had a zero waste section and everyone was just going, oh, this is nice. We'll buy it this way instead. And it was no problem at all because... Mm-hmm. What that does zero waste mean? What does zero waste mean in your shop, mate? Well, I'll say in our shop, it would be things like less packaging. So where you would normally have bought a bottle of washing up liquid, you'd bring in your own bottle and fill it up. Um, or you'd normally buy a bag of rice, a borio rice for a risotto, but you can come in and put it in a paper bag that we supply, or you can bring your pot from home. We have means that you can weigh your jars so you don't pay doesn't matter how big the jar is you bring whatever it's tailored to your okay. the way so, so, things. so it sounds to me I, I know it's bad that i haven't been in the shop in so long but i don't come to cambridge very often no i don't come to cambridge at all um but which makes me sound like a very bad friend i need to make a trip to the shop soon but it we sounds talk, a little we, bit we, we said this last time in the podcast it's just people have what about lives the way it is <laughs> it reminds me a bit of the old post office i in over where yeah. you grew up, you had the post Sweet office shop. in over, and you had the you had, yeah you had the jars of sweets in the back, right? And then you'd like get it emptied out into a paper bag. What you're telling me is we're going, we're coming away from Haribo again, back yeah. to back to the jars, cola way in, and back to yeah. cola pips, cola pips, and cola cubes, mate, cola cubes in the bag. I know. Oh, I used uh, to like cola cubes. I used to like uh, strawberry bonbons as well, mate. Ah, uh, yes, I loved them. The and dust, you used to get those the lemon ones, ones. Well, ones. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, it. dust covered, mate. Dust so covered bonbons, it is, amazing. It, it is, it is like old times, and it isn't like, um, in a lot of ways, it is, I suppose. But I mean, I, I suppose by zero waste, there's a lot of things. So, say, like we will sell shampoo bars, you know, bars of soap, <laughs> you know, with, with like, not I, I didn't not, even, I didn't. <laughs> Mate, I didn't even know that was a thing, right? <laughs> That's all right. I, I wasn't going to say. I, I, I use bars of soap. I don't use shower gel anymore. Yeah, I yeah. use bars so, of soap. Uh, and, and that was actually a thing because Max and I were poor and it was cheap. <laughs> Genuinely, that was like, it wasn't that we were meaning to do anything other than I got into the habit when we were really poor. And um, I've not changed. I've just got used well, to using bars of thing. soap. And, and that... people look at me like, that's no, weird. and bars, there's nothing wrong with bars of soap. Shower gel is incredibly unsustainable. I mean, you, you know, you only got to read the label and it calls you a gel douche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I'm here all night. Come on, that was good. I did. I, did, I just thought that. I like, I like that. I like that. But, uh, <laughs> so talk to me. Talk to me. So you can get shampoo in a bar now. Yeah, shampoo bars. We we sell one by a company called Zero Waste Path, who have, who, as you know by the name, they're, they're massively into it. So like, even their packaging's all cardboard, recyclable, and things like that. And um, we sell another one called a by Essential Soaps. Both again, it's a sort of this whole sort of full circle kind of thing because. You uh, not only are they good quality, they're ethically sourced. They're, a lot of them are vegan as well, which is a big thing for customers these days. Uh, they're also made in Cambridge, so you're sort of not one to. Uh, the only way you can describe something is by saying tick a box. As bad as it sounds, <clears throat> those kinds of products tick all. It the meets the criteria, to... Ben. It's, what you're telling me is it meets the criteria, not that it ticks uh, a box. Says the guy box. in compliance. Ticks <laughs> it meets the necessary criteria. This is it. And the thing is, you sort of, when you're in a small independent business, you can't give anyone else an excuse not to use you. When you're small, 90% of people want to find an excuse not to come in your shop because it's yeah. easier to not. Like yeah. a lot of our customers, we're lucky because we're convenient for a lot of people, but there might be some... It's harder to come in and fill up your pasta in a bla- in a plastic in in a, in a paper bag than it is pick it off a shelf, isn't it? Right. Yeah. We do. I mean, we do sell some packaged products. I'm not saying we don't, because I, I, I a bit like I was saying earlier, like I'm, I don't want to go militant on people. I don't want my customers who have used this for years to suddenly go, oh, you don't sell that pasta I really like anymore. I'm like, oh no, because it's got plastic. God, get out. That's not yeah. what we. That and yeah. that Tesco's me, off you go. Yeah, this is it. And as far <laughs> go as buy that cheap shit. Get over there, get in queue, and wait outside in the cold. But <laughs> it's fine. But the thing is, is it's not fair. And this is this is the point I'm making: is make small changes. If everyone made small changes, that's the problem solved. That it's easy to say. But yeah. if we all did a something every single day, something different, like we sell glass bottled milk, people, people bring nice. the bottles back. It's just, just little things like that. But the flip side is it costs more. So we are lucky that our customers go, I'd rather be more sustainable and do this and pay more to do it. A lot of, in all fairness, a lot of our loose products, like if you, you know, your decantables, if you want to call them a better word, we've priced cheaper than they would have been packaged as a gesture. In my opinion, it shouldn't cost you more to do your food shopping in that. I think I feel a bit guilty if some people come in, spend all this time filling up all their things and doing it really nicely and to the criteria we ask them to do it to, to then go, oh, yeah, and it's all going to cost you a bit more as well. It just seems like a, just a, a, a something, it, it's, not, it's not right, basically. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, uh, it's, that's my opinion on sustainability, and that's coming from someone who does do something. I think a lot of people have a big opinion on it, but no offence, probably just don't do anything about it. Yeah, but we okay, did. Yeah. You know. it's, some, it's something that's become increasingly on my radar. I would say I'm quite late to the game, right? And I, I'll hold my hands up and just be quite frank. And a lot of people will think I'm a dick for saying it, but I don't care. And that is that it often feels like or appears like as a, as a meat-eating person that 
vegan people are very quick to tell you they're vegan and then judge you for eating meat. Or some people that I've come across have been that way. And um, I'm probably going to regret saying this and get loads of hate mail and dead animal carcasses through the post or something like that. Which should but, be ironic. <laughs> which would be massively ironic, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, like, I watched, um, oh, I can't remember what the Netflix documentary was with the UFC guy who who went vegan and like, started to yeah. talk about, you know, the, like the health benefits of not eating. And that was very, very one-sided. It was very, very one-sided. And then Joe Rogan, like, kind of demystified some of it in his podcast and, you know, there, there was a bit of stuff there, but Mags and I sat and watched Seaspiracy on Netflix the other day, and that literally blew my mind. Literally blew my mind how unsustainable all of our fish are and the fishing that's happening is just incredible. Have you watched it? No. No, mate, it's absolutely no. nuts. It's absolutely nuts because it isn't just it isn't just I, the fishing. Under, it isn't just I the fishing we're doing. It, I mean. It's you know, to, it's totally unregulated. It's totally unregulated. No <laughs> one's watching them. There's so much big corporate money involved, and you know the 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 practices are, are horrific and barbaric. You know the idea, the idea that you know some some other animals might die in the making of your food i think is pretty unacceptable do you know what i mean well, yeah it's, it's just yeah. if you're just and thinking it, literally it's wasteful i mean yeah, forget yeah exactly else. it's just an absolute waste exactly exactly and, and waste bad right waste bad in whatever form that comes well, well, well one thing i would say for every i don't we have a lot of vegan customers and i wouldn't say any of them are anything like you're saying i yeah I think that there's a huge, I think we only know those ones through social media. I, mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I can't put a post up about meat without someone putting a little angry face on my Facebook post or something. It happens a lot. Just does. Um, really? Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's becoming or a crying face or something. Yeah, yeah. that happens a lot. And, and, and this, this is the thing, right? And what I said before, that wasn't, I, I, I guess it probably says more about me and my guilt that I feel that I feel bad for the choices that I've made and that I feel judged because in reality I'm probably not being judged, but it's that I feel like I'm being judged by people who make better choices with what they eat yeah. and the sustainability choices yeah. that they make, I guess. Yeah. And that's it. And the thing is like it's a bit like I was saying earlier, if you if someone lays into you, it leaves them open to be laid into. You know, if you live and let live, right, people can be vegans and people don't have to be vegans and you just do what you want. And just accept that people have a choice because, like, you could make your own sustainable choices because you want to eat meat and you feel that it balances the books. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, I, I eat meat, but we, and the meat we produce on the farm, I mean, we, I've tried to sort of, I've tried to give, try to do it in a way that, makes it the best quality possible and things and really again it's like i was saying earlier really if everybody scaled back and shot for people like us there would be no massive problems if people ate more quality meat less often there wouldn't be these problems yeah Um, it's it's, it's because it's because we want a a mcdonald's double cheeseburger at one in the morning and we're pissed off we have to wait three minutes for it yeah and yeah, that's ma- the it's, ma- it's yeah, it's, it's the mass consumerism. It's the it's, the it's it's not the it's not the shopping from the local butcher. It's the shopping from Tesco's with the artificially weighed in chicken that's lived in its own pile of shit for the past 
however long it's taken to artificially rear to the size it needs to. It's been shipped and then frozen it's in, yeah, Vietnam exactly. or whatever, and you know the emissions are huge. And but my point is, there's problems with everything. So you find if you're on a farming page and a ve- there's like certain pages are always clashing, and I I don't like it. Like I I I think like it's it's. Um, it's aggressive from non-vegans as well. It's quite a lot yeah. of it going on. Yeah. I, I just don't think the world needs it. Like we're all doing things wrong. So does it matter? Like I always think if if I started going, oh, what, what are you having to go at me for eating meat for? I think, well, it's your choice to do what you do. It's my choice to do what I do. And I just think that at the end of the day, a lot of the time, I think there's a lot of, there's a select few who are really argumentative on both sides. And actually most of us just carry on living our lives, trying to do the best we can. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, kind, it's kind of tricky, isn't it? Because on the one hand, I get, I get resentful and think, why, why are people so confrontational and, and conflicted over stuff like this? Why, why do people always find an argument? But then on the other hand, I think realistically, and I just think, do you know what? If people weren't challenging the norm, we would just continue on the fucking car crash that's about to happen over the next however many years as we fuck everything up. That's so, why that's that's that, why there's people like us running businesses though. Like the no offense to the general public, people who don't make or create or anything, they do a job and they go home and they need to buy their food because they haven't got time to do anything. They need to buy their food and get on with it and do their thing. It's our job as having businesses to make sure that what they're buying into is correct, safe, quality, and meets those criteria. Do you know what I mean? I think we have a response because the thing is we've got a really unique position in what we do. We have people work for us. We have people use us as customers. We have a responsibility. And I think if everybody took their responsibility as serious as what I do, it would be much different. And I think like, a lot of the time, if you approached a business and showed them not only could they be more sustainable, and they could be the marketing guy we're talking about, there's no harm in that. Yeah, we yeah. Think it, but there's no harm. It's difficult. It is difficult, though, isn't it? Because you've got to raise awareness, yeah. haven't you? You've got to raise awareness. Without, without raising awareness, nothing changes, does it? That's the challenge. No, no. But also, you can't run a business without being that way inclined. Like no one waits for car crash to happen in business because they'd be out of business. So we know that's not how the world works. So we're always thinking like that. And I think I I personally think the sustainability issue is down to businesses. You look at, um, I don't know, all the food we buy is a good example from supermarkets. Everybody wants Cox apples and Maris Piper potatoes and Victoria plums and all these sort of fruits and vegetables or whatever, right? not because they're the best. It's because they're the easiest to grow, easiest to get hold of, easiest to store, and supermarkets have told everybody that's what they want. So that is, we have a responsibility to basically tell everybody what they want and make sure it's the right thing that they want. Yeah. Put it put bluntly, if the only things on offer are the sustainable products, and that's all that's on offer. Yeah. And then the price comes down because there's no premium anymore. It's a, it's a long-term thing, but, you know, but supermarkets and things are, they are waking up, big companies are waking up to it. And, you know, there's, there's huge arguments for so many different things. And 
green energies and it's yeah. this oh, you could go on for hours about it can't you I mean <laughs> yeah no 100 mate 100 okay cool right let's let's cut the let's cut the um cut the eco- economy uh and uh a discussion there then and let's start talking about surviving the pandemic so talk to me a bit about what sort of impact it's had on you as we start to sort of come out of lockdown have you just been cracking on no real impact at all or are you expecting to see a bit of a spike as uh, i imagine the students came just quite student-led are you expecting to see much impact from that i think it might be quieter okay i mean so but i always think it's very sensible to not be optimistic in business <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or, or, or cautiously optimistic, which seems to be my catchphrase at the moment. Is cautiously. cautiously optimistic. So the thing is, we have been very lucky to have had a very good ride in the pandemic. We've been able to stay open. We've had people who can't leave the area. We've had people who need their food delivered. And we really, to, to put how you said earlier, met the criteria for the kind of business that is going to do well in the pandemic. So we, you know, not only were we able to continue trading, we we did get some extra customers and it wasn't really all doom and gloom. Obviously, we've had to invest in new systems and all the, you know, the screen and the gel and everything you've got to do now. But in all fairness, it's not really dipped too much. I mean, the eat out to help out, I think, had a bit of an effect on us. Um, but I mean, you've got to remember that you know, we're selling a premium product and a lot of what we sell could be classed as um, more affluent and by very default, more affluent people have enough to disappear on holiday or uh, more regularly. And the second the, the restrictions are lifted, I will be very surprised if not only not only people go away, but a lot of people have family like abroad or you name it there's loads of people i know who are customers who will just go and it's amazing how that little bit is enough to make it quite quiet you know 10 percent in august i think we're 30 percent quieter you know it really dropped but i mean it's not the end of the world we we not not in a know-it-all fashion i sort of expected it like i still expect it to happen again this year Mm. um and it's always happened anyway before the pandemics. We've always had quiet Augusts and things anyway, because mm. to do mainly with like you're saying with the students, as well as um, a lot of our customers have families and they all, it's the only time it can go away. So we have a big chunk of time where we lose a bit of trade. But okay. I mean, we've, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm combating that by trying to open a holiday let on the farm. So, you know, it's about entrepreneurial. That's my, my, I'm always like trying to improve things and i'm like yeah. well you, you're talking about this pod for a little while talk to me about this pod then what what what, what is that the holiday now is it a pod that we discussed previously well, it's a bit it's a bit posher than a pod if you imagine bilbo baggins's house in the hobbit yeah yeah nothing like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's basically that it looks it's, it's a bit cool it's quite cool but i'm waiting on planning so I don't know if I've got it yet, but we'll see. The idea is solid. You know, get something on the farm that you can let out to people come and enjoy the farm in the summer. Well, all year round. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was assuming August would be our peak. So I wanted to have money coming in at a time we don't normally have it coming in. 
nice. that was the basis of it, really. No, I mean, you know, there's no no point no point dressing that up. <laughs> At the end of yeah. the day, you know, August the bank the bank goes dry, and it's a horrible time. You know, you you have the same costs. <laughs> and you have you know, no matter what you do you're still having to buy everything yeah. and pay your rent and everything yeah. mm. no definitely I think uh, I think August is going to be a real golden time for, for the events business for, for anyone that does accommodation or anything like that I think there's going to be the, oh, the, the, the economical impact is going to be great so if you could be up and running in the next couple of months mate you'll be away right I mean yeah how, I, how, how, no, how soon I, how soon <laughs> you can launch do you think you're going to be able to hit it no I think it's. I think we're going to miss it, despite all my efforts. I've been putting it. We've been, but we've been doing it properly. Yeah, I've had an art. We've had an architect. We've done pre-applications. We've done draw. You know everything, and you know. It's, so, as much as it would pain me to not have it ready this year, if we got the planning, I know we'd be doing it right, and it would be an investment for a long time. So it, yeah. it's, it's easy to be annoyed at the the immediacy of not getting it up and running, but we're going to have it for years. It'd be something our children can let out, you know? Yeah. I, I just know, I, I know, I know that it'll be gripping your shit a little bit that you won't be able to get it up and running this all, by this all. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know, I mean, I'd be I, the same. I'd be the same. Yeah. I, you know, I, I could easily go down the offices and start flushing heads, but you know, it's, <laughs> but it's not going to help, is it? But in all fairness, everything's been good and the council have been really positive and, it, at the minute, without an answer, it's 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 never been anything but appeared to be okay. So we'll, we'll see. And we've done everything right. Like I said, we had a really nice architect and we've got a whole brochure that we've sent to the council for planning. Awesome. And yeah, it's it was, I want to do it right. I want it to be really, really smart. And, yeah. um, and again, I, I don't like any comebacks, you see. As much as I like, I could cut a corner as much as the rest of us if I have to. But when it comes to real things that are yeah. really important, I'm absolutely the other way. I'm obsessively mm. mental about it until I get it until it's right. Which yeah. people who know people who think they know me probably realize something about me, but I, I can get I'm very deep thinking and I'll have an idea and I will think about it and think about it and think about it. And yeah, but I think that's I think that's partly why I, we do what we do, because I don't think you could do, you couldn't be gung ho 24 7. You'd be out of business very quickly. You've got to have yeah, something yeah. ticking in there, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. 100%, mate. Okay, cool. And the final thing, the final thing that I wanted to have a bit of a catch up with you about was uh, comedy. What's the crack? Have you got anything lined up? Nothing. I haven't done anything since about October. They're starting get bookings are starting to creep back in but they're all if we're allowed to opens <laughs> yeah so and the thing is it's it's really hard like i don't easy way to describe it if you, there's certain ones you can apply for but if you apply for them and you get them you need to apply for ones before them to be up to scratch to practice and they don't exist. They're not, they're not really, a lot of them aren't restarting. Or are you going to get an audience? What's the point of um, doing these if you're not going to have an audience to test stuff out on? Or at the minute, I feel a bit torn as to what to do because comedy for me is something that um, 
if you if if you said wave the magic wand, you have to do something now. This, what's your job going to be? I would be very tempted to go comedy, please. I absolutely love doing it, and I've done it. I've done it not in an airy fairy way. I've done a, I've done a hard graft spell to know if I like it or not. But loads of comedians out there have done you know a lot more than I have. But I suppose what I mean is, I haven't done it occasionally. I had a spell last year before the pandemic, say like the six months before the pandemic. I was gigging three, four, five nights a week all around my job, all around the farm, um, and. Not on the farm. What, just to be clear, not on the farm, not all around the oh, farm. Yeah, yeah. Talk to all the animals. <laughs> the yeah. They're the only Absolute ones hit. who laugh. Absolute hit with the fucking sheep, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They said I wasn't too bad. <laughs> Bamoozing. Yeah, you could put them all over their eyes. But... <laughs> what you mean is you were doing it up and down the country? Everywhere. There's nearly every, not nearly every place, but places you wouldn't believe I've been already. And like, I sort of, I had a, I had a moment where I was like, right, well, it's just getting somewhere. I started to get occasionally offers for payment and big opportunities. And I said, well, um, I've got to make it a job, even though I wasn't really earning. So it's a bit like an apprenticeship, you know? So I was like, I wasn't really getting paid seldom. I mean, I'm, I wasn't very, very rarely getting paid, especially um, 2019. And so I was pushing and pushing and pushing and just doing all the the best I could to to get in places and make friends and uh, most importantly, get as good as I could, you know, because networking is half the battle, but really, if you're not funny, you've got no chance. And so it's all about trying stuff out. And, yeah, and so, you know, I... There's not a day that goes by I don't think about a gig or uh, a joke or and just getting up in front of an audience and doing it. But until it really, I personally feel I've got so much going on. I've started loads more during the pandemic as well. I've done more and more business branches and because I've been able to, and you know, it's just what I do. I like doing it. That I need to know it's back to put my foot in and get on with it at the minute, but I'm not quite sure is, is it back properly or a lot of people have been out of a lot of performers have been properly out of work. So we're talking performers at the top of the ladder who I'm way down on that ladder. I'm never going to get a look in because they're taking lower run gigs. The, you know, the, the, the stuff I might've been going for is getting taken up by someone 10 times better than me now. That's basically how, how it's going to roll for a while because they need the income. So someone who's a promoter is going to go, wow, I can get them for the same price as Ben. It's a no-brainer. Sorry, Ben, but yeah. they're going to sell tickets for me. And I yeah. get that. Yeah. So I'm like, well, until it's back, back, no, you know, no social distancing, no masks, properly back. I might have a go, uh, you know, if I get the right offers and I will still apply for some. I like the look of and I think I can do people I know maybe and I'm you know I sort of especially things like MC I could sort of do that you know really without any practice because it's not quite the same to doing a set going in cold on a set is different to going in cold as an MC ish you still have bad nights as an MC I mean which I have but 
it's more natural as it's more natural just to turn up and if you're not feeling it or you feel nervous you can just just do your job and introduce the acts and be polite and struck tell them how the night's gonna go and you're hosting the night you don't have to come out all guns blazing and do jokes if you're on top of the world you can do that as an MC if you want but there's been days where I've been really like oh god I'm so I, I don't know this is this seems a tough room there's not much of a crowd and you know, I've been out there and just sort of done the, the motions you can do that as an MC you can't comedy stand-up doesn't necessarily wait for you that give you that leeway and but it's just what I want to do I've I've um, I've absolutely loved every time, not everyone, but, but <laughs> I can sense in your tone and the way you're talking about some that you've had some horrifiers. Oh, I've had some. There's been oh, a few. Talk to me. What, what's been talk to me? Stand out. Worst night. Worst night. Oh, I don't know. Doing stand up. There's quite a few. A lot of it. If I'm honest, a lot of it's me personally. What in your head? Yeah, I mean, I've never... Or, like, or been... not that they think you're a twat. No. In, in, in all fairness, I'm usually quite polite and happy, and I don't get a lot of negativity from people. So I'm very lucky with that. Quite often people will comment that I'm likeable and things, and I'm happy, and I'm, I'm, I'm not... I don't say anything really edgy. I, I'm, not, I'm not really brave with stuff i sort of do stuff about my life or whatever and that's fine um but if i feel like i've died a little bit somewhere or i didn't hit the nail on the head it will it will stay with me and i can't shake it off um like i had a night i went to london and i did a, an open mic night and i got there and i was like oh my god supposed to be hosting this all night and it was not a comedy club it was like a bar and half of it was full of people drunk like you know cocktail night or something it was just a disaster and my problem is I knew it was gonna be a disaster before I even got on stage and that was in me then I couldn't shake it like if you go to a comedy night or a comedy gig or something and you're on I don't know, like quite often as a newer act, you get on as an open spot like I will be getting because I'm a newer act. You'll go on, say, after the opener or something, right? Or a second. Well, I suppose what I mean is that the audience are greased up, ready to laugh. They've already been lubricated with a little bit of they've laughter. Been, they've been lubed up, right? <laughs> But also, when you hear some another comic, comic come out and the audience are just on board and enjoying what they're saying, I mean, it's, obviously, there's sometimes you get the occasional one where the comedian's brilliant and you go, oh, oh how am I going to follow that? That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm more talking about, ah, this audience are up for it. When you know that, you can go out and you'll be going bang, bang, bang. You know nearly everything. They're laughing before you open your mouth, is what I always say to Vicky when I get home. So there's, uh, she says, how was it? I go, they were laughing before I even opened my mouth. That's just how you can tell. And that's the, the, the paying audiences are usually easier than the non-paying because yeah, they come so out for a night they've, out. They've, they've come in, for a good time. They've, they've invested in the night. Yeah. And so ironically, it's harder getting up the ladder 
once you get to certain gigs, you have more of a chance because mm-hmm. once you've got your foot in the door, you know, there's people out there who are loads, loads funnier than me. And I'm still managing to get, I was managing to get these gigs and things. And just through, just, just trying my best to do better and pick out funny things. Trying to be, one thing I found is I think a lot about a joke for a long, long time. And in my head, it was completely original until I found out someone else had done it in their own spin. But it looks like you just hack or copying, even though to you it was completely original. That's yeah. a massive problem for me. Yeah. So you make observations about things. You could be just te- you could be saying what someone said when they opened up the night. You don't know. Sometimes as a comedian, you can get there late if you're close. If you're like on in the second half, or sometimes you can get there. And you like for example, so I've I've opened gigs before and gone on to another one or gone home, and the person later on wouldn't have seen my jokes and they fall in that possible same trap so what i've actually tended to start doing is within reason only stuff about personal things because i know it can't be written yeah yeah. if it's happened to you it's not it's only happened to the people around you right yeah and that's what i've tried to that that's the way around it i've that's been the challenge it's easy to think of jokes really but you might not be original yeah. So actually, I mean, and that's the half the problem is I, I have these things happen, but I also make notes on my phone of jokes and things and try my best to start thinking about them. But you fall in the trap of becoming an observational comedian, which is nothing wrong with. But for me, I don't know if it's my strongest suit. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I sort of think that um, I want to be myself. I want to be able to uh, just come out and go like I've come out, like I've just got out of the car. All right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like if I come to your house, I just straight away, you know what I'm like, I'll just be like bang, bang, bang. But I like it with an audience. You see, well, that's just why I haven't done any zoom gigs. Cause so much of what I do happens on the night. I don't make, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily make stuff up, but I like to chat. I like to see people's faces or you might pick someone out that pulls a funny face and it gives you a chance to get into some material. Do you know what I mean? I think it's, yeah, it's the energy. It's the energy. Comedy is about energy, isn't it? And it's about you provide the energy for an audience to then get them them engaged. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the, the the better the comedian, the better control they have over the audience. Right. But I guess, I guess the challenge, like you're saying is that, when Jimmy Carr goes and does a £40 a night, £50 a night gig that people have paid tickets for £40, £50 a ticket and they've invested in going and making the journey and finishing work early and all that shit, he's turning up to an audience that are ready to roll, right? We'll Don't get me wrong, he's an amazing comedian. I'm not I'm not knocking him one bit, but, but I'm More. sure he's had to do the hard yards. I'm sure he's he had has. to do the hard and yards. And I know he has. You know. But also, within that, not only are they ready to laugh, they know him so well he can say the most outrageous stuff and like i could do stuff that um i don't know i don't really have any examples but i sort of have to be a bit more broad spectrumed than perhaps i would like to be there's there's loads of things like there's films i love that i could do whole sets about but no one knows them but if you had your own audience who's known you for 10 years off the telly 
you go, right, I'm going to talk about my favourite film with you. And they'll be like, oh, this is brilliant. Whereas I've got to be, hi, I'm, no one knows me. My name's Ben. Here's some funny stories. And that's literally yeah. all I've got yeah. at, at the moment. And I, and I guess that's the challenge because the better, the, the, the more well-known comedians can carve out their own reputation and their own personality. And like you say, they can say outrageous stuff because people have already got like, they're already emotionally invested in that person. Aren't they? they are. They've already got yeah. that relationship with them. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I, I know if I go and watch Jimmy Carr, he's going to be far redgier than going and watching Roma Shranganathan, for example. Both great mm. in their own way. Yeah. You're just going to get a different, a different style. Exactly. Right? And that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I still try to, I've still tried to write jokes or think of things, but not as much as I was, <laughs> you know, I sort of haven't, there's not much yeah. point. Like I quite often have an idea and go, I'll try that out tonight. You know, there's nowhere to try it out now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, no, so, no. That, and I get it. You, you, you know, the challenge is you, you're a busy guy. Your time's valuable. Why commit your time to something that isn't tangible at the minute, which it isn't, yeah. you know, comedy yeah, isn't I like tangible. To control... You've got you got you got to focus. Yeah, you got to focus where your energy's going. Awesome, mate. And that, awesome. That's it. Simple as. Yeah. No. No. Fair play, mate. Right. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tie it up there, mate. So for people who have just tuned in, just drop uh, who you are again, where to find you, where they can come and spend some money with you, mate, and uh, and, and check out the shop and that sort of thing. Well, thanks for dropping in at the end. You've missed a great chat. <laughs> I don't know where you've been. <laughs> but I'm Ben Aveling and I'm the owner of Radmore Farm, Radmore Farm Shop. Uh, check us out online, radmorefarmshop.co.uk. If you're a Cambridge resident, we're open seven days a week and we have a delivery service. And if you live in the North Hans area, you'll, we hopefully have some accommodation soon, fingers crossed, as well as we're doing more different breeding schemes on the farm um, and animals and things and Mate, they don't have to live in Northampton. They just need to live on planet Earth. They might be coming. They might be jetting in. They might be jetting in from LA to come and stay in New York, Northampton, your farm. No, this is it, mate. This is it, isn't it? (laughs) But you know, not Mike Tyson though. He can. (laughs) I'll tell you what, mate. If Mike Tyson's watching this, I'm getting the ads going. (laughs) (laughs) Half a dozen things. (laughs) (laughs) But. The best thing you can do is follow Radmore Farm Shop on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, because I put everything on there anyway. Awesome. Awesome, mate. Thank you very much. Take care, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed it. Catch you soon. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners, and we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon. It's very very raw, you see. We didn't know what to do. So I've been thinking about this as a joke for ages. But we went, went to the hospital, right? And Vicky gets in the pool. And there's, this is really hard to get down as a joke. But she started getting in the pool and all this, right? And she starts pushing. And, I, and I, when I get up in the middle of the night, or funny times, I get a real bad stomach, right? It really gives me the squits. I don't know why. I get really dodgy. Because your body clock's thrown out. <laughs>
right? So and I sat there watching her like this, all tucked up going, and then she was like, seemed quite comfortable. So I thought, I'll just, just pop to the loo before everything gets going so I can be here for the main event, right? So I thought, I'm going to do a bit of birthing of my own, right? So <laughs> I went in the toilet, and then I nearly missed the birth of Emma, right? Because I was in the toilet. And what was more is I thought it was really funny that I was timing the splashes with her screams and no one heard the splashes, right? (laughs) 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 Now, I've got, there's a whole package there for a joke and I can't get it. It's so niche. But, Basically, I nearly missed my daughter being born because I was giving birth to the most monster, <laughs> bad stomached, awful. And then what was more is, you know, I was the, uh, timing, the, timing the splashes to the screams. That's what cracked me up the most. And Vicky was furious. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've, <laughs> I just get these notes and these ideas occasionally. And I, but I just don't know. How to, this is the thing. You need to go to an open mic night and go, look, this happened to me. But then when you've got people in front of you, sometimes things just come to you. Yeah. And usually I record them, you know, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just think like there's so there's so much going on. But yeah, so that's that's an idea I had for a joke. I just don't know how to, how to uh, you know, get it. How to land it. <laughs>